Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor Gillian Cameron, Senior Pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire and empower you. Well, this morning I want to I share a message called By Faith and that we as the people of God are called to live by faith. You know, this became very real to me in my life when on the Tuesday before Passionate Conference, I fell down the stairs of my house and suffered whiplash. <laughs> It's an incredibly uh, painful condition, which some of you may have experienced. I hope you haven't. But essentially, my whole neck basically felt like it was out of place and kind of had was kind of felt like it was all wonky. It felt like my neck was on a toothpick, that if I turned it, it was like going to fall off or something. And Tuesday was the day that I was going to finish off all my final uh, notes and messages and, and do my final preparation. And there I am attempting to do this while in agony. Who knows that at that moment, we need to live by faith that we know that no weapon formed against us will prosper, and that God has always got the victory over the defeat that we face. You know, I, I want to say that this message doesn't come out of an absence of trouble. I mean, you know, let's just think about it. John got hit by a car. <laughs> did that induce some stress for me? Yes, it did. <laughs> you know, there have been some challenges. There have been some moments. And for all of us, our faith has to increase. And I really believe that as a Christian believer, I certainly had a, a reasonable level of faith. I wouldn't say that my faith was completely lacking. I had faith to come to Wellington when I didn't know anybody, give up all my friends and the security of a job and an income. <laughs> I've had faith to join with John in the endeavors that God has called us in, and there's been measures of faith that have come along the way. But like us all, I believe that sometimes we have faith for an area of our life, but not necessarily for the whole of our life. And I believe as Christians that in this room today, some of us have faith for some things and not faith for other things. And God wants us to take hold of the shield of faith that covers all of the aspects of our lives. You know, it's interesting that Ephesians 6 talks about the fact that we're fighting a fight of faith and the weapons of our warfare, not the weapons of this world, that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces and principalities in the heavenlies. But one of the things that we are commanded to do, if you like, or really told to do with great emphasis is take up the shield of faith. Now, this shield was a Roman shield. It wasn't like the little ones you might have seen in some things, like a little buckler shield. It wasn't like a little round shield. It didn't just kind of cover your heart only. The Roman shield that they're referring to there was the size of a door. It was massive. I mean, it, they would have had strong muscles to cart those things around. That's a story for another day, perhaps. But they, this was the size of a door. It was huge. And as we can understand from it being that size, it did not just cover one part of their body. It covered their entire being. It covered their entire life. So when we are commanded to take up the shield of faith, we are being commanded to take up faith that covers every area of our lives. Faith over everything that we face. Faith over every challenge. Faith over every obstacle. You know, for some of us in this room, we might have faith that God would use us in ministry, but not that God would use us in our profession. We might have faith that God will provide a house for us, but not faith that He'll provide a lifelong partner for us. We might have faith that He can heal us, but not faith that He can provide. You know, in all of our journey as a Christian believer, we start off, firstly, people have no faith. It's kind of like minus faith, the absence of faith. 
I believe that we're in this room because we have the first level of faith, which is saving faith, which is a belief in Jesus Christ and a belief that because we believe in Him, we've become sons and daughters of God. We've been adopted into His family. I could talk on about that forever. But we have firstly got saving faith. Then God moves us on in this journey of faith, and we discover that we have some seeds of faith that we have seeds that have been planted in certain areas that we believe we could reap a harvest. We believe for this potential thing to happen. We believe perhaps faith in this area and see a harvest. But God wants us to not just have seeds of faith, but to end up with great faith, great faith. You know, Jesus commended the people in the Bible who had great faith. And I believe that God wants us and calls us to have this shield, to take up the shield, to have a faith covering over every part of our lives, to be applying faith to every area, not just the areas perhaps that we've already had experience of a breakthrough. You know, I think it's easy to have faith for things we've seen, but God calls us to have the faith for things that we haven't yet seen. I believe that in New Zealand, we're going to see amazing move of God. We're going to see this nation one. We're going to see things that haven't been seen. I believe the devil's been throwing everything he can at us because we've started to build a Rise HQ. And you know what? It's dominoes. It's, all I can see is dominoes. As soon as that is built, oh my goodness, the devil knows that the next building, 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 up and down this nation. You see, dominoes, because we begin to see that in every area of our lives, God wants us to have faith. You know, I've prepared this message today, and obviously I can't talk about our whole lives. It just wouldn't be time, and you'd be bored and want to leave. So, what I have done today is prepared what I want to call a faith injection, a faith injection into three key areas of a Christian believer's life, your finances, your health, and your relationships. See, when John hurt his shoulder in the accident, and he, he kind of drooped, <laughs> it was a little bit sad. <laughs> was like, anyway, he needs to keep doing his physio exercises. I've become the nagging wife. Do your exercises, do your exercises. But anyway, what they did is they came and, thank you, Dr. Dines, for your help. They came and they injected right into the spot that hurt. And they put a steroid into that spot. And amazingly, the shoulder, the pain, and the, the muscle stopped being tight, and there was relief. And I believe that in these three key areas, there can be quite a lot of tenseness, quite a lot of tightness, quite a lot of struggle. And I believe God wants to inject by the power of the Holy Ghost just some words of life that will bring release and freedom over those things that have been tightly bound in our lives in Jesus' name. Okay, so I want to start firstly by talking about King Asa in Chronicles, just to paint this picture for us of how we can have faith for great things, but then lack faith in some areas. See, this king had faith for the battleground, but not faith for the bedroom. So let's have a look at it. Okay, it says this in 2 Chronicles 14, verse 9. Once, an Ethiopian named Zerah attacked Judah with an army of one million men. I can hear someone go, one million. <laughs> Oops, that's a bad movie. One million men and 300 chariots. They advanced to the town of Merishah, so Asa deployed his armies for battle in the valley north of Merishah. Then Asa cried out to the Lord his God, O Lord, no one but you can help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, O Lord. We trust in you alone. It is in your name that we have come against this vast horde. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere men prevail against you. 
So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians in the presence of Asa and the army, and the enemy fled. Here we have unimaginable odds. A battleground, a battle is set where they should not win. 300,000 versus a million, three to one. I don't know, is that right, David? (laughs) It's a lot against a small amount. Let's just say that. So basically, they're up against challenge. It's insurmountable, but he had faith. He had faith. He began to go into this battle by faith. You know, I think sometimes in our lives, there are areas where we have faith. There are areas we are prepared to access our faith. We are prepared to fight this. But I want to talk to us that some days we might not feel ready for the life, the the challenges that get thrown at us. Some days we might not feel like we've got our faith at the ready. But God wants us to know that we are always people of faith, no matter what happens in any given day, that every day we live by faith. Every day we live by faith and not by sight. And King Asa here, he had faith on the battleground. He had faith in military endeavor, that the Lord was mighty in battle, that the Lord would prevail. And of course, he saw the Lord's amazing victory and defeat of his enemies. We see then the word of the Lord comes to Asa with a caution. It says in verse 15, verse 2, listen, people of Judah and Benjamin, the Lord will stay with you as long as you stay with him. Whenever you seek him, you will find him. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. So he's given a prophetic caution. Keep seeking him. Whatever challenge, whatever you face, don't abandon the Lord. Keep seeking him. In our lives, sometimes we think God is only interested in certain moments. God is interested in every moment. Let's see what happens to this king who had great faith. What happens to this man that we're like, wow, that was victory because of faith. Let's see what happens. Says this, In verse 11 of chapter 15, sorry, verse 12, in the 39th year of his reign, Asa developed a serious foot disease. Gross. (laughs) Yet, even with the severity of his disease, he did not seek the Lord's help, but turned only to his physicians. So he died. Now, I'm I'm really glad that I don't live with someone with a serious foot disease. (laughs) That'd be kind of gross. Hey, honey, how's your foot? (laughs) You'd be like trying to keep a wall of separation. Quite glad that John's got healthy feet, just letting you all know. Poor Princess Kate. I mean, anyone seen all the hurrah about the fact she didn't have a pedicure? How ridiculous. Anyway, turns out feet are quite interesting to people. And so this guy, he had faith for the, for the, the public area of his life. He had faith for what was seen in the glory of the battle, but he didn't have faith for his personal challenge. In fact, he didn't have faith that God would heal him. He didn't have any faith at all because he didn't even ask. He didn't even ask God for help. I mean, he asked God for help and the enemy was routed. You would think if you had stinky feet, serious issues, that you would have asked the Lord for help. But he didn't. You know, I think this is where sometimes Uh, we living by what we see rather than living by what is unseen. God wants us to access supernatural faith, that his faith is available in every area. You know, we can think God's available if I come and serve at church, that this thing will happen in my life, or God, God can work in this part and portion of my life, but not in this part. If he had prayed, the Bible is outlining it very clearly, that if he had prayed, he would have been healed. That's why the scripture is there. Because he should have asked. He, it says quite clearly he turned only to his physician. It doesn't say he shouldn't have gone to his doctor. 
But the problem was he went only to his doctor, not to the great physician. He needed to go to the great physician, and I believe he would have lived and would not have died. You know, in our lives, I want to put out there this, this thought this morning and this challenge that is our faith contained to areas that we think God is interested in? Is our faith contained this morning to certain areas of our life that we've perhaps seen God do something and so we believe He can? You know, I, I think sometimes our experiences dictate the faith that we carry for our lives. But God wants us not to just live based on experience, but based on His Word and His promises. And the truth of His Word is that if we live by faith, then just about anything is possible. In fact, it is. Anything is possible for him who believes. Jesus said, if you ask in my name, you will do even greater things. I mean, hard to comprehend that we could do anything greater, but the Bible says it, so we must believe it. If it's the living word of God, then it is the truth that can set us free and put us on the right path. Asa changed from, not, from saying no one but the Lord can help to not seeking his help. Are we willing to ask God for his help? Are we willing to trust that by His Spirit we will see change? Will we have faith that God is able to help in every battle, both public and private? You know, I think that sometimes our faith is just too limited. God wants us to grow our faith that it would cover every area of our lives. Romans 8.32 says, Since He did not spare even His own Son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? If he didn't hold back Jesus, do we think he'll hold back those other blessings? Do we think he'll hold back health that we desire? Do we think he'll hold back a job that we've been praying for? Do we think he'll hold back that spouse that we've been longing for? If he didn't withhold Jesus, the pattern is that he is not a withholder, but that we have to get our faith on, that we have to grab our shield, and that we have to start to access those promises. I want to encourage you today to begin to name it and claim it. I know we've shied away from some of these things, and you might sort of react to that and think, oh, she's being overly Pentecostal this morning. Well, yes. Yes, I am. You are in a Pentecostal church, and the truth is that the truth of his words is if we ask for anything in his name according to his will, he hears us and he will perform it. So this morning, I believe that some of us need to name it and claim it in Jesus' name in the nicest way. So let's get into these three areas this morning. Let's get into these three areas where I believe we need to begin to claim the promise of God and by faith act out what God would have us do. Let's have a start and don't stone the prophet, okay? Faith in our finances. <laughs> faith in our finances. Why would I bring faith in our finances as the first one? Because I believe it is an ongoing challenge to live by faith. Because I think that we are an incredibly generous church. See, today, this, this point is not for uh, the convincing of those that don't give. Uh, this point is not to convince you to give. If you don't give, I think you're silly. I think you're ignoring the Word of God and the truth of God that shows abundant blessing, windows of heaven opening. So I'm not here today trying to convince you to give, okay? What I want to do is talk to every person here who is already giving. And you see, because of the generous giving of our church, I know that I'm talking to people that are giving. But what I think is that sometimes we are giving without linking, linking and connecting our faith with our giving. See, we don't give blindly. We don't sow just like that. We sow in faith. 
So whenever I receive an offering, you'll notice I always say, so in faith today. Put your faith together with your AP today. You see, we have to connect the faith with the action. See, we connect the faith. We believe that when we sow, God says he will open the windows of heaven. Let's have a look at Malachi. It says this, Malachi 3, bring the tithes in the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant. I will guard them. I will, I will, I will. See, this scripture, I believe, is our promise. And in our sowing, we combine our faith with the promise. So what am I talking about? This is getting a little bit, like, is it too up there? Let's bring it here. So perhaps you're looking for a job. My friend, you've been a faithful giver. God will faithfully provide. Rebuke the devourer and declare that his provision is in your life. Begin to proclaim, claim and name his promise. My friends, if you've been faithfully giving, then he has a job and a provision for you. If you've been faithfully tithing, he will rebuke the devourer off your life. That business idea will prosper. Don't worry if there's been failure. God says in his word that he will open the windows of heaven. So access the promise by proclaiming and declaring this over us. Our lives. When we give online, when we give in faith, when we sow, put it together. Say, Lord, today as I seed this into the harvest, God, I believe you would open the windows of heaven over my life, over my family, that you will prosper my life. I believe you've got a house and a home for me. I believe my business will sell. I believe my business will increase. I believe that you are the God of ideas. You're the God of inspiration. You're the God of all creation. I believe that this will overflow in my life. See, this promise is a promise of overflow. Not just surviving, but thriving. My friends, we need to give by faith. Now, why do I start here? Because in Hebrews, it says in Hebrews chapter 11, in the book of the greats, the great examples of faith, it is fascinating to me that God has not got accidents in Scripture. And the first person that it talks about as living by faith was Abel. And Abel does one thing that is noteworthy. What does he do? He gives an offering by faith. So my friends, don't just give your offering. Give it by faith. Give it by faith and see that God would unlock the supply of heaven over your life. I encourage you to read Hebrews 11 later. But it says in verse 4, It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. What separated the offering? Faith. Why? Because it took faith for Abel to give the firstborn. Because he didn't know anything else was coming after. He put his trust in the unseen, not in the seen. When we give by faith, we are ultimately declaring we do not trust in what we see. We do not trust in the world's economy. We trust in the supernatural and abundant provision of God. You see, I know this housing market is a bit crazy here in Wellington right now, but if we are a person of God, then by faith, if we have been giving, we say, God, you have a house for me, a place near your altar, a place where I can raise your young. Begin to declare that he will provide, that he has got something set aside for you. Begin to name it, begin to claim it, because you've been giving by faith. There should be a reaping by faith faith in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Faith in our finances. Abel offered his best. He didn't count on what had not yet arrived. He had to just go and do it. And sometimes in our lives, there is a sowing 
a season, and then a reaping. But if we have faith, we can trust that God will rebuke the devourer and his promise will come to pass. You know, I've, I've shared before, but it's, it's a funny little story. But when John and I were literally living on the smell of an oily rag and often our provision was a few gold coins in an envelope, well, not even in an envelope, sometimes I have no idea. There were just some random gold coins in our letterbox. <laughs> no idea how it all came to work out, but amazing how a few dollars can keep you going sometimes. And uh, back in those days when we were just giving our lives to serve God and you know, it was, it, was, it was hard work, but it was also faith, faith challenging and faith growing. Uh, we were down to one last meal, and I, had, I was in charge of the food. Let's just say that's a good thing. John being in charge of the food. <laughs> I don't want to eat pancakes all the time. And uh, so it's a good thing that I was in charge of the food. And I realized that we had one chicken and a whole lot of vegetables. So, we, you know, we we're going to be able to eat vegan all week, but I'm a meat eater. It's like, give me the meat. <laughs> so this was, a, this was a problem. We were going to run out of meat. We had one chicken. And John says to me, oh, baby, it's on my heart. We've got to have this couple over. We need, to, we need to spend time with them. And I'm like, okay, but just so you know, we've only got one chicken left. That's going to be the meat for the week. So just so you know. And he goes, that's okay, baby. We're going to sow that chicken. See, what he did... <laughs> We're going to sew them, that chicken into them. And I made sure it was good. I roasted it up good. That was good chicken, crispy skin, bit of herbs picked from the council garden. <laughs> now, those are the days. <laughs> Grow my own now, except when I remember to water them. Anyway, cooked other chicken. But you know what John did that shifted everything? Is he said, we're going to sew it. So we didn't just give it in and have a nice meal. He connected our faith to what we gave. I think this is such a great analogy for us in our lives that we have to connect our faith to what we're giving. And so I was like, okay, we're going to sew this chicken. And so we, we cooked it up. We had a beautiful, beautiful time together. And then the next day I'm like, okay, what am I going to make out of these vegetables? <laughs> and literally that same next morning, I have no idea how this happened, up to our door rocks a white van, a white teagle van. And dropped off, delivered to our front porch, was not one, not two, but nine frozen chickens. <laughs> i got to say, sometimes there is humor. I think God was laughing that day. <laughs> because literally, we had connected faith, and then we reaped a harvest. I was just glad there wasn't a long time between the seed time and harvest that time. Although I've got to say, sometimes you do get sick of chicken. <laughs> no, I shouldn't complain. I'm grateful. I'm grateful, Lord. <laughs> That's another message right there, isn't it? Okay, let's get into this one. All right. God will provide. Let your faith go to work. See, our faith has to be put to work. It's not meant to just be like quietly there in the background. Oh, I'm just giving. <laughs> just giving. No, come on, believe. Confess. I'm giving and God is going to bless me. Believe it in Jesus' name. I want to charge you today. Don't just hold to hope. Hold to faith. Hold to faith over your finances and over the provision for your family. The second point this morning, the second faith injection is faith in our health. You know, Scripture shows us time and time again that trouble with our health is actually a blessing. As much as we might feel like it's a curse whenever we're sick, it's a blessing because God does something in our lives through suffering. Jesus was made perfect through suffering. We can never mitigate the sovereignty of God, and when it comes to health and sickness, I'm the first to say we don't know everything. But I believe there are some scriptural principles of how we apply our faith 
to when we are suffering or when a loved one is suffering. Perhaps we have a child or perhaps we have someone in our lives who has got a health challenge and it's a real challenge. Then I believe these are the scriptural principles of how we apply faith. I want to turn to James chapter 5 verse 14. No, James chapter 5 verse 14 and it says this. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. So this scripture leaves no room for doubt, does it? It says, you know, hey, sometimes you can't have the faith to pray for yourself. Sometimes you don't have the faith that's required. I love that because the person who's sick doesn't stand condemned that they don't have the faith to be well. Sometimes you just don't have the, the faith when you're in pain and you're suffering. And the Bible here says, hey, let someone else give you their faith. Get someone to pray with you, lay hands on you, and the prayer offered in faith will make you well. See, we see this again in the instance of the paralytic who was brought to Jesus, lowered through the roof, that it wasn't his faith that made him well, it was their faith. Jesus looks at them and says, their faith has made you well because the friends brought the person into the presence and anointing of Jesus to be raised up to life. See, sometimes if we're sick, we so easily get condemned, but God takes us on a journey of perfecting something in us through suffering, and also we have to humble ourselves and ask other people for help. Sometimes we don't want to let people into what we're suffering or share this issue, or we feel like somehow it weakens us if we share our weaknesses. Well, I love that God never condemns weakness. He says, let the weak say, I am strong. You know, when we come to God or when we come to others with a problem, there should be this beautiful covering that takes place. We see this happening. By faith, we can access healing, and we can see that God will do something great in our lives when we come and offer this prayer of faith. You know, we don't know sometimes why a sickness doesn't go when we pray. We see that the Apostle Paul, the super apostle, this great man of God, I mean, you would think that anything he prayed for would happen. He had a handkerchief and it went to somebody, you know, like he just, I don't know, did he pray over the handkerchief and it was given or his shadow? Ooh, that's amazing. You know, he did these crazy things and God just used them to heal people all around him. And yet, the Bible says that he was contending with his own sickness. He had a thorn in his flesh that never left. And he prayed, he prayed that it would go, and, and many people think it was some kind of infirmity, some kind of sickness, some kind of difficulty. And he's the super apostle who sees other people healed, and yet it didn't leave his life. But you know what we notice about this? Paul said that he didn't stop praying that it would be taken away. See, we are to never give up. We are never to give up and accept the affliction. We are to continually contend. We are to fight the fight of faith. We are to continue to pray, continue to ask, continue to seek and believe and look for God's healing. You know, it's an amazing thing that Paul, he was kept humble by that thorn. I mean, he was a mighty man of God. Perhaps pride would have taken him out if he didn't keep this thorn. I don't know. I don't know why sometimes sickness stays and sickness goes, but what I do know is that as a people of God, but living by faith, we continue to pray and believe that God would do something. By faith, we receive prayer, and by faith, we confess our healing. Confessing our healing is found in the, in the scriptures. We take hold of the scriptures that talks about Jesus and what he did on the cross. By his stripes, I am healed. By his stripes, by his stripes, not only is sin and death broken, but so is infirmity. You see, when we take the scriptures of the word of God and we let them come in our spirit, 
And when we confess them with our mouth, we are forming a sword. We are forming a sword that will fight the enemy and will rebuke the devourer in our lives. See, the Word of God has to dwell in us richly. It has to build strength on the inside. And if we're facing a health challenge, facing a crisis, perhaps we're struggling with a pain condition or something that just isn't leaving our lives, then we take Scripture and every day we write it down and speak it out. Speak it out. You see, there's a sword that comes against you, but that sword can't prosper. The Bible says no weapon formed against you will prosper. Why is that? Because you have your own sword. The sword that is formed within you will come against the sword that comes against you. See, there's a sword that is formed within you when you declare the word of God. And it means that no weapon that comes against you can prosper. What does prosper mean? Have success. No weapon will have its effect. No weapon will hit its mark. No weapon will reduce your strength because you have this weapon. And greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Our faith has overcome the world. The devil is under our feet. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Rebuke the devourer and it will leave your life. My friends, let the sword of the word of God be formed within you. And by faith, by faith, no weapon that comes against you will prosper. Do you understand this morning that we can declare that we are healed? You know, I was talking to my great friend, Ann Burroughs, the other day, and she said to me, you know, when she got prayed for uh, recently here on the stage for her neck, she said that she instantly felt something happen in her neck. She instantly was healed. But then the next morning, she woke up, and it was like the symptoms were there. So she said, I began to just say, I am healed. In Jesus' name, I am healed. I was healed. I am healed. I don't believe that I was not. I am healed. And so she confessed that she was healed. You know what? Sometimes we give up. We wake up that next day where we felt something change in our bodies and we just accept, oh, I just felt something in the moment. No, my friends, fight the good fight of faith. Live by faith. Declare that you have been healed. Begin to confess it. Don't accept it. Reject the lies of the enemy. Sometimes symptoms will come in making us think that they're real. My friends, we have to stand in faith. And as we confess, I am healed. I am healed. Stand on what happened. There was a physical change in my body. God began a work of healing. That work of healing will continue and I will be fully raised back to health. I believe this in the name of Jesus. She said it took seven days where she stood just every day waking up declaring that and now her neck is fine. She doesn't even have the symptoms anymore. It is remarkably better. But sometimes we have to contend for our health, for our healing, for our loved ones, for our children. Contend and not accept. Don't tolerate. Reject. (laughs) Because we are people who live not by sight but by faith. Not by the dictates of this world but by the dictates of a heavenly world. Amen? And the heavenly world says that everything is available for us that Jesus has made available. I want to ask you today, have you asked? Have you asked God to heal you if you need healing? Have you claimed the power of the cross? Have you declared the cross of Christ over your situation? See, in every challenge, in every test, in every circumstance, when things just don't go the way we want them to, we choose, I'm going to cling to the cross. It's the cold face of Christianity, isn't it? When we suffer or when hard things happen, it's the cold face. And we make a choice. We will do what we believe. We will do what we, what we say we believe and what the scripture says. We'll actually do it. We'll cling to the cross. 
and we will persevere and we will endure. And at the end of enduring, we will find joy. Because after enduring a trial or enduring a circumstance and holding faith, joy awaits. Because the one who overcomes is given the crown of life. All right, the third and final thing. I'm running out of time. I've preached too long. Okay, it's all right. The third and final thing that I believe we need a faith injection for is faith in our relationships. Faith in our relationships. Look, we all have relationships. We all need relationships. But when relationships are going well, we feel awesome. And when relationships are not going well, we feel completely dejected and despondent. See, relationships have such an impact on our emotional well-being. But I believe our emotional well-being firstly has to be tied into God. And secondly, the way that we have faith in our relationships can affect our emotional well-being. You know, I believe that we can apply faith in our relationships, marriages, friendships, you know, brothers and sisters. In every aspect of life, I believe we are called to live by faith, not just the ones that we would think of in the natural, but relationships are such a crucial part of our life. How would we exempt them from living by faith? You see, we need faith to overcome difficulties and challenges in relationships. You know, when we've got offenses, when we've got struggles, when perhaps the passion has become complacency, <laughs> we need faith that God would reignite things in a marriage, or we need faith that there would be this person that we could spend our life with. We need faith that relationship breaches can be repaired and that difficult things can be overcome. You know, I, I think breakdown in relationships happen to us all. All of us can have breakdowns in relationship. None of us are immune. And I love that the Bible shows us, and I'm just going to touch on this briefly, but in Acts chapter 15, it shows us these two men, Barnabas and Saul, who were the best of friends. They were like ministry amigos. They were like compadres. They went everywhere, did everything together. Their impact on the church was phenomenal. They were being sent together. They preached together for over a year. They were like, forget Batman and Robin. They were like the left and the right of the Holy Spirit. They were just punching things out. They were unbelievable. They were just indefeatable. They had no fatigue. Their energy was boundless. Together, they were the dream team. But what happens is something comes between them. It says their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. This amazing ministry powerhouse that God had so clearly put together, they have a bit of disagreement. Paul, the super apostle, he had a problem in his relationship and it broke down. But you see, sometimes that's because we have different perspectives. A lot of the times in a relationship, there's a breakdown because two people see things just totally differently. And Paul and Barnabas saw the same situation with two different perspectives. One of them wanted to give someone a second chance, and one of them felt like that person truly could not be trusted with a second chance. And the Bible doesn't say that either one of them was right or wrong. The Bible doesn't take sides and who was actually right. And I think that's so powerful, isn't it? Because so often if we're in a disagreement, we're convinced we're right. <laughs> I'm always right, that's for sure. <laughs> Whenever I disagree with John, don't worry, I'm always right. <laughs> but you know, we just become convinced. We become convinced in this disagreement. But you know what? It takes faith to let it go. It takes faith to let things go, to let disagreements go, to let offenses go, to forgive. It takes faith to forgive because actually we're putting ourselves in harm's way sometimes. We feel like I'm going to be hurt again. This person, they, 
misunderstood me and I don't know if I can trust them. But you know what? In some of our relationships, there's, there is actually like bitter hostility building and perhaps we will end up in a vulnerable and lonely place if we don't let the walls of bitterness come down by letting things go, by having faith to forgive, by having faith to believe again that God could renew, that God could restore, that God could rebuild. The Bible says that he is the repairer of the breach. Whatever has been broken, he is able to fix my friends, but it takes our faith to access a whole and a healthy relationship. Can we have faith to see things differently, to believe the best and pray for restoration? Sometimes it takes faith to be the giver in a relationship. When we feel like we're giving and giving and everything's being taken and nothing is being given back. You know what? It takes faith to keep sowing into relationships. But I love that scripture that says, he who tends the fig tree will eat its fruit. It's a promise. Declare it over your relationships. He who tends it will eat its fruit. If we sow into our relationships, eventually there will be a reaping. Think of Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. Faith is the confidence. Maybe you're hoping for something in a relationship. Faith is the confidence that what you're hoping for, it will happen. I believe that there will be prodigals that will come home because by faith, you keep that loving welcome mat out. By faith, you say, I love you no matter what. You will always be welcome in my life. I believe that faith will stop complacency in relationships and that complacency will become passion. I believe that faith can stop addictions that are destructive in relationships and there will be breakthroughs. I believe that by faith, barren can become fruitful in our relationships. Can the band come and join me today? We need to let go, we need to give, and we need to believe and look for that God could do a work of restoration in our relationships. You know, as we, as we come to a close this morning, and I'm sorry, I've just gone a slight little bit over, so I'm not going to keep you much longer, but I really wanted to do this. I really want to pray a prayer of faith. I want to enter into agreement with you today because I think that some of us in this room, we've had faith for this area of our life and not for this area, that perhaps there have been areas where we've asked God for help and others that we've been reluctant to. You know, sometimes if we really care about something, we almost are hesitant to ask God. Because then if, if God doesn't do it, it's like a rejection that He doesn't love us. You know, we actually have to trust our Heavenly Father is a loving God and that He will work on our behalf. That in His appointed time, the miracle comes to pass. I want to encourage every one of us that maybe there's an area where we have not been holding faith, an area where we haven't asked God. God is able. I want to pray a prayer of agreement today, agreement with you this morning that something that you are believing for would happen. Would you stand to your feet for just a moment? Lord God, right now, just think right now about something in your life where you're like, I need faith. I need to live by faith in this area. I've been just thinking about it naturally, but right now I'm gonna think about it of how God would want me to think about it. I want you to think of that thing and I want you to pray and ask God for the miracle. Maybe it's a breakthrough in a relationship. Maybe it's a breakthrough financially. If you've been giving, then claim your promise. Maybe in this place in your health or in a loved one's health, the devourer has come, then rebuke him. Rebuke the infirmity. Believe that by Christ's stripes you are healed, that no weapon formed against you will prosper, but the weapon that's formed within 
within you will stand and declare the goodness of God. Come on, let's lift our voice. You pray. I'm going to agree with you right now. Lord, over every declaration, over every declaration, over every prayer in this room, from the lips of the people of God, as they lift up their supplication, as they lift up their plea, as they lift up their prayer, Lord, right now, I agree with them. I agree that in faith, Lord, this promise will come to pass. I agree, Lord, in faith for your provision. I agree in faith for health and healing. I agree for this relationship to be restored. I enter into agreement by faith that it would come to pass in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Gillian Cameron, go to arisechurch.org.nz or follow them on Twitter at Gillian Cameron and at Arise Church.